episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Loaded Sport, where today we're going to be previewing this weekend's sporting action, including the return of the Six Nations, uh, the latest in the NFL as we build up to draft day in the end of next month. As well as that, we've got Chris Big, the 10th person to have a go at the listener lock-in, as well as our locks and wild cards for you as well, as discussing the latest in the world of football. Joining me to go through it, he's just been hired in football manager as the new Buxton manager. Congratulations, Skin. How are you? you yeah i'm all right mate i'm really worried about the panic we might put into real buxton fans with that information <laughs> that is on football manager just to clear anything up i don't want anyone racing to twitter to see what the fuck's going on but yeah uh yeah i'm good mate thank you i've uh, i've just poured a, a dr pepper and, and with a bit of rum in it oh nice just take the edge off for a thursday evening for yet another lock-in and ready for the weekend got a few bits planned steady one tomorrow night depends on the weather really don't it and then uh, get my hair cut see my top boy Cosmin on uh, on Saturday and then planning to go to uh, bingo Saturday night and uh, a bit of food so looking forward to that what about yourself mate how are you and what are your plans for the weekend I'm good thank you it's been a stressful day back and just chill have a drink of whiskey and talk about sports so that's much better Um, supposed to be playing football in a charity game tomorrow night but the weather doesn't look like that's going to happen. Supposed to be covering football on Saturday, but the weather doesn't look like that's going to happen. So I think I'm just going to stay home and do nothing. Sounds good to me. It certainly does. Uh, it sounds good to me as well. And we go from someone who's just started a new venture as the Buxton manager in Football Manager to someone that's just finished his latest venture. Mr. Kemp has just retired from playing American football with us and he's not going to be featuring mm. this Sunday either. Gutted, mm. you're not going to be with us. But Kemp, how are you doing, mate? Oh, living every part of my dream, mate, thank you. And I'd, I'd like to provide a little bit of context as to why. Um, I, I don't know when we're going to be actually talking about a little bit of golf on Loaded Sport tonight. There's a little bit of a spoiler for what's coming up later on today in the show. Um, yeah. But I've, I've taken up golf a couple of years ago, starting to take it a little bit more seriously now. I go to the gym as well to try and keep myself in shape. So anything that, that's kind of going to infringe on that um, is, is is sort of a no-go now. I'm, I'm creeping up there in age. So unfortunately, while in the past I have enjoyed American football and I've managed to get um, the pace on you at times, both of you and, and a few others, uh, unfortunately, my old legs just can't keep up with the pace. I'm, I'm a golf man now, so you're all golf widows. But yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Retired from American football at the prime old age of 28. There we go. That's it. And also... Mr. Dawson, man with a mic, how are we doing? Yes, there it is, there Very it is. Uh, I just do want to quickly ask, because last week we uh, we had the big celebration of Kemp being the first and only person to keep a clean sheet and five aside, and yesterday, as per the legs going a little bit, you, you requested to go in the net again. How did you get on, mate? Not not the best, not the best yesterday. <laughs> not the best yesterday, yeah. It was one of those days where I, I was doing okay and then the first goal went in and it was it was a, a shot and then it deflected off of our defender and, and sort of trickled past me. And after that, it's not that I gave up, but psychologically I just wasn't there. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't trying to give up, but psychologically I'd just gone. You were like Manchester party, United yeah. between the 47th and 90th. Exactly right. Sunday, yeah. Exactly Liverpool. right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. But at least I didn't touch the, uh, the this is Anfield sign like Big Wout. But uh, yeah. yeah. Um, great good. He is great good. 
but yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll be playing outfield next week. I just wanted to give my uh, my legs, my old tired legs, a bit of a rest. But yeah, back outfield next week and ready to do some damage. And hoping nice. to see you there as well, Mister Dawson. We'll see, mate. I'll, uh, I'll if the if the schedule allows, I'll be there. Okay, let's kick things off by talking about the latest in the Champions League. Um, of course, Tottenham will not be featuring any further this season, which means yet another competition <laughs> comes to an end. And once again, the only thing that Tottenham are going to be fighting for this year is a top four finish. Kemp, I asked you last week, so Skin, I'm going to come across to you first on this one. Of course, we're talking about Spurs not performing or reaching the potential that a lot of people had for them, which then brings us on to the nice conversation of Mr. Harry Kane. At what point does it become too much for him and at what point does he leave Tottenham? He's got to go at the summer. He, he's had the opportunity before, we spoke about before, the, the move to City that didn't go through. If he doesn't move this summer, I don't know when he leaves. And I, There's not really much more that I want to say on the situation, but also there's not really much more that I care to say either. Like, it was a few weeks ago when I think we said it like he's got to be driven does he want to be a big fish in a smaller pond or does he want to cement his legacy as as one of the best players best strikers whatever in in Premier League history and I've absolutely no interest in putting him in that conversation until he starts winning trophies And, and as you said there another season has gone by it's not happening he's 29 years of age now he's going to be 30 sort of in in well just before the next Premier League starts. So if he moves to, let's say, Manchester United, he'll have just hit 30. If he doesn't, who's going to want him when he's 32, 33, 34? Maybe someone on a you know a Van Persie to United type deal, potentially. But if he's really, really serious about being remembered as one of the elite players, he's he's got to be looking at this summer, surely. If anyone wants to tell me differently, then please do, but... No, we, we said about a week or so ago um, about the fact that Harry Kane needs to make his move to make sure that he cements that legacy as one of the Premier League greats, not just statistically by beating uh, Alan Shearer's record, but by winning trophies as well and getting that little bit more success under his belt. So I suppose to steer yeah. away from the Harry Kane conversation and, and more towards the Tottenham conversation, where has it all gone wrong for Tottenham? Because they've had some of the great managers in the past, including Conte. Of course, they've had Mourinho. Before that, they had Pochettino, who got them to, of course, the Champions League final. Where has it really gone for, wrong for them to the point that they're just not competing? I think, and Kemp, tell me if, if you disagree with this one, but I don't think it's about the managers. The managers that have come in, like Poch, he won, you know, he won League One in France with PSG, but it's not the hardest thing to do is it Conte's won enough Mourinho's won more than enough I think he as good as he or as elite as he is known I do think he's underrated in terms of exactly what he's achieved and I think a lot of that is down to his personality I think people don't appreciate just how good of a manager he's been in his career I don't think it's an issue with the managers they bought in I think it's the culture and the core players that are on the pitch they never really sign out and out elite players they've bought players in like a, a son who was pretty decent in Germany and has turned into a really, really good player for them. But Tottenham aren't a team that uh, are fighting with the United's, your cities, your, your Chelsea's, Liverpool's as someone that's going to bring in those top elite players. So I think it's a culture thing. And for the most part, up and down the pitch, the players are above average. They're not great. And 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 that's the difference. They spent sixty million on Richarlison in in the summer. He's not scored a league goal all season. He's scored what 
a couple of goals in the cup. So, yeah, for me, it's a culture thing with the players is that, A, the core players that they've got have been there for a very, very long time and it's just a culture of the bottle jobs and it's a mental thing. But also on top of that, they never actually bring in the elite players um, that are elite when they join. Not, you know, they're, they're a little bit unknown when they do join and they turn into good players. They're bringing them in when they're elite at the top of the game and that's the difference to get them over the line like a lot of the top clubs do that actually go on to win trophies. So that's the difference for me. I don't think they're a, a desirable club to go to if you're a top, top, top player and and they're going to other clubs, and because they're top, top players joining very good clubs, they're the ones that go and win trophies. I think as well you've got a problem when, you know, you need to figure out what your identity is and, and how you're going to build your team and, and and what, you know, the core of the, the club running through. I think a stat that Man United have had a youth player in their team since, you know, 1960-odd or whatever it might be. Um, you know, the only youth player that Spurs have developed in the last few years, I think, is Oliver Skip. And yeah. that's no disrespect to Oliver Skip. You know, he's he's, a, he's an all right, decent player, but and that's it. He's average. It's not right. It's not, it's not anyone, right. There's there's something there's something that's just not. There's no identity. There's no plan. It seems from Spurs, and that starts at the top, like you say. The the, the world class managers that they've had come through the, their door, from Jose Mourinho to Antonio Conte to. Um, you know, Mauricio Pochettino all in the past few years, you know, these aren't bad managers. You know, you can't put it all down to the managers. You've got to look at the the way that the club is being run. And ultimately they've got a, they've just had moved into a big stadium recently. That costs a lot of money. It's not cheap. They've still not got a naming deal for it. Um, a lot of people are expecting a big, big naming rights deal for that stadium. It's not happened. It's still the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, losing a bit of money from there, you, you can't expect them to go out and, and splash loads and loads of cash in the transfer market. But ultimately, if you're not going to do that, then you need to seriously think about how else you're going to you're going to generate those those players in the next crop. And, and it just seems to me as though Levy is quite happy with Champions League. You know, that's his aim, Champions League. It's all he wants. And, and as soon as long as they get Champions League, they can keep making profits. They can keep, you know, keep the shareholders happy. Um, and it seems like the club Tottenham in the past few years has become, you know, a lot more of a, a business than than it is a football club, and that's that's standard fare across across football these days. It is a business rather than you know a passion project these days. But you'd also like to see the business doing well in, on the pitch as well as off the pitch. And you look at Spurs and their financial records in the past few years, despite the fact that they've just built a god knows our big stadium. It's one of the best stadiums in the world. They're still very financially sound. So you've got to tip your cap to that. But you've also got to look at the fact that on the pitch. You know, due to that, due to them being so cautious and taking money out of the club and not reinvesting into the, you know, into the playing squad or into the youth setup, it's just, you know, what what do you expect? What do you expect? You've got, like you say there, Dawson, you hit the nail on the head. They've got, you know, a few world class players. You'd probably say Son before this season, world class, Kane, world class. Um, you've got a few Romero, I suppose, is is on, you know, on the on decent, the, but that's it. Yeah, that's on the I mean, shift, man. but. The rest of the side, like you say, decent, five, six out of ten. And ultimately, in the Premier League these days, that's just that's not good enough to get you competing for stuff. And unless things change, like you say, Dawson, at the top, right at the very tippy top, I don't think it is going to change for Spurs in the near future. And we've spoken about Harry Kane moving on. I know it's different legacy-wise, but I suppose you could say the same for players like Son and, and Romero and 
and maybe Klosevsky as well, players like that. You look at the players that have been and gone that have had that sort of opportunity to provide something extra, including the likes of Luka Modric, who, of course, came to Tottenham, didn't win anything and then left as well. So I 100% agree with you. It's a case of uh, at the top needs to change. So I'm going to ask you one quick question before we move on to the next uh, football Did topic. Mod- was, can I just quickly interrupt before you do ask that question? Was Modric not in the 2008 League Cup winning team? Um, I believe so. That was, what, 15 years ago? He would have been sure. Still so he came it, back mate. and won the League Cup and then left. Still won Summit. Still won Summit, bro. Yeah. So he won the League Cup and then left. Yeah. But that's what I mean. So so they've not managed to keep these high-profile players. Right, OK. I thought you meant he came in, didn't win anything and then left. No, he didn't League see anything. League Cup's big, big fair these days, mate. Big, big, big shit. Yeah, of course it is, especially when you win it. It's what everyone celebrates, isn't it? But no, uh, Tottenham currently in fourth place. 45 points. They are three points clear of Liverpool, who have a game in hand. They are four points clear of Newcastle, who have two games in hand. They have a worse goal difference than both of those sides, which coming towards this point of the season is, of course, like an additional point for those sides. So, just one word answer for both of you. Kemp, we'll start with you. Did Tottenham finish in the top four? No. Skin? No. No. I'd have to agree with you. I think Liverpool, with the form they're starting to churn out at the moment... Uh, look, favourites for that. So moving I think, on. To... I think if it was sorry, just before you do yeah, move no, go on, for it. I think if it was the same situation as it was a few days back or a few weeks back, where you know the the, the main contenders seem to be Newcastle, I, I would probably say yes. But with now Liverpool sort of in their stride, they've got a few players back from injury. They're in good form. There's no doubt in my mind that Liverpool will pip Spurs to fourth place. And to be honest with you, I think Conte will be gone rather shortly and they'll get Pochettino in before the summer um, but we'll see you know watch this space yeah it'd be interesting to see if Pochettino is the key to keeping Harry Kane in London for next season so the other talking point is just down the road from Tottenham and it is Arsenal as we've heard the latest is that Gabriel Jesus is back in training for the Gunners currently leading the Premier League title race how big of an impact is Gabriel Jesus's return going to be? Can, we've spoken in the past about, of course, how close Arsenal and Man City are going to be and the fact that Nketiah just isn't quite up to the challenge of, of leading that front line for Arsenal. Jesus mm. is like a, a breath of fresh air at this point, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. For Arsenal fans, you'd, you'd definitely say so. With, with Jesus being back in the fold, um, you would definitely think now that Arsenal fans are going to be really buoyed by the fact that they've got their star man back, they've got their star striker back, and ultimately, hopefully, he can come in and do a little bit of damage and um, and hopefully fire them towards the title. I think they're definitely in a better position now than than when they just had Eddie Nketiah up front. I don't think Eddie Nketiah is a bad player, but do I think he's going to be a key player for Arsenal going forward? You know, no. Um, so, yeah, it's a massive, massive boost for them. And um, and they will definitely think that if Jesus can remain fit for the rest of the season, they'll uh, they'll have uh, even more of a chance. So um, you know, good luck to Jesus and good luck to Arsenal. And coming back from an injury that, of course, has left you out for the majority of the season, Skin, I'll come to you on this one. Is it going to be a case of he needs to be eased back in? Because the last thing Arsenal need to do is, is rushing back into these sort of games when they are still in other competitions and still have other focus points. You don't want to rush him back and, and risk that sort of injury that then he's out for a longer term and, and you've got to go with players like Nketiah and hope that they can finish the job. I think they're fortunate where they're in a position where they are playing well, they are still winning games, they've got a five-point gap where... They don't have to try and force him in for this week. And I think he's got a game or two where he can get really settled in, like you say. 
get back in training full swing, maybe play a couple of reserves slash under 23 games just to work on that match fitness. And then maybe next weekend slash the week, uh, weekend after, you know, 15, 20 minute cameo or something as a sub. And then in sort of three weeks time, look, looking at starting games, I think Arsenal are comfortable enough and, and the results are good enough for, to allow to get him properly to benefit having him at full fitness for the last couple of months of the season, as opposed to like you say, rushing back and then he end up aggravating the injury that he's had or something like that. So yeah, okay. I think they're fine to ease him back in. Yeah. Uh, my fantasy team's definitely going to go downhill now because my obsession with Jesus means he gets to make his way back into my team at any costs. Uh, sticking on the Champions League or going back to the Champions League point that we did make, uh, a couple of games took place on Tuesday. Benfica, beat uh, Club Bruges 5-1, leading to a 7-1 aggregate win. But Chelsea managed to get a win against Dortmund. Now, I'm, Skin, I'm going to stick with you on this one. Uh, Chelsea beating Dortmund, bought Graham Potter a little bit more time, do you think? Yeah, I think they're going to stick with him anyway. They'll fancy a run. They, they won it only a couple of years ago. But yeah, I, I don't think it's as such of buying him more time because I do think they'll want to get him to the summer and give him the full chance to have a full window, full summer of preparation and all that kind of stuff so yeah it'll do them the world of good to start winning games and start putting the ball in the back of the net so yeah I don't think he has to worry too much about his future personally I think it's something that Chelsea in the past have been a bit trigger happy on the uh, the old manager merry-go-round. So it'd be nice to see them for a change, stick with the manager for the summer, let him see what he can do and bring in his own players. I think the players that he did bring in, again, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times, just haven't been up to scratch for Chelsea. And then you're going to see players leave like Aubameyang that came in just before Potter did. Uh, Raheem Sterling will probably move on again. Players like that, and he'll start to bring his uh, bring his own players in and build his own squad, which will be quite an interesting one. But beating a side like Dortmund uh, has got to give the players a, a little bit of a confidence boost to secure a top half of the Premier League finish. And just how bad's that? We're talking about Chelsea in the top half of a Premier League finish being an achievement for them. To be fair, yeah. though, against against Dortmund, just to sort of cut in, I watched the game, and and actually they weren't great. They're not great. You know, they, they didn't play really that well. The team, obviously, they've had lots and lots of new additions. They're still gelling. Then they're not going to be a position where they're playing really, really well, probably until next season, if ever, under Potter. But they showed something that, in my opinion, Spurs haven't shown. Let's just compare the two for a second because they are both struggling in their own respects. Um, they showed grit. They showed determination and they showed willingness and wantingness and they showed character. And yes, they're not playing particularly well. And yes, they still need to gel. And yes, there are various problems at Chelsea. But I watched that performance and it was gutsy. It was gritty. And they worked really, really hard to get that win and to ultimately get themselves into the next round of the Champions League. So, yes, Potter's had a bit of a difficult time. It's been a, a, a bit of a transition period at, at Chelsea. Um, and in the past, like you say, Adam, they would have definitely been trigger happy. But do you know what? We all rated Potter when he was at Brighton. You know, we all rated the job that he did. You know, we, we were all saying, you know, we, we'd want him as the next England manager if Gareth Southgate w was to depart. Um, and 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 that doesn't just go away overnight. So from that performance, again, it wasn't brilliant. But what I did see in that performance personally is, is I saw a lot of character. And, and that's something that I've not seen from, like I say, for example, Tottenham this season so far. So I don't think it's all bad for Chelsea. And I feel like if they can make a little bit of a late push, maybe finish top six and get themselves into a decent position in the Champions League, maybe quarter semi-finals, um, I think they'll take that at the end of this season because it's been a struggle. To be fair, can I yeah. just ask a very quick question, if, if, if I may? Go for it, go for it. Uh, this is for Kemp, and you, you've kind of answered it a little bit at, at the end, but a couple of minutes ago you said something like you, you weren't sure if Chelsea were going to play 
uh, well this season or if ever under Potter. Do you think Chelsea's form this season, you know, how much of that is down to him? Because again, you sort of covered it at the end. He was very highly rated at Chelsea, uh, sorry, at Brighton. Mm-hmm. You more than anyone was screaming for him to be the next England manager. Mm-hmm. Chelsea have, were obviously in terrible form before he came in. They've spent so much money on so many different types of players that need time to adapt, but also need, he needs to find out what's right for the club and what's going to work. How much mm. of their, their form this season and where they're at in the league do you think is down to him and his managerial potential in that role at a big club like Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, he's or definitely got to take... the other stuff? No, no, he's definitely got to take partial responsibility. You can't... He'll be the first person to come in and say that he's not completely, you know irresponsible for it. He'll not, you know, come out in a press conference or whatever and say, you know, it's none of it is his fault. He'll put his hands up to the mistakes that he's made. But ultimately, you put yourself in that position where you're coming into a new club, you know, you don't know the players that are there, you know, when you get there. And then for the guys behind the scenes, whether it be the, the owner, Todd Bowley, or, or the sporting directors, or whoever they've got working on transfers and stuff behind the scenes, it's quite obvious that all of those transfers weren't Graham Potter's choices and weren't his decisions. Yeah. So I do feel sorry for him in a respect whereby he's come in, not only does he not know the team, because that's that's the same in every single job that you go to, um, but he's also had to put up with a brand new team coming in basically and a, and a squad yeah. overhaul before he's even got his foot in the door. So he has had a lot to contend with, but at the same time, he has got to share that responsibility. So I'd say it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. He's, he's, he's started pretty poorly. He'll be the first person to admit that, but the circumstances in which he started um, were difficult, but ultimately they are teething problems. They've signed some really, really good players. You look at Enzo Fernandez, just to give you an example, young player of the tournament in the world cup. He's got a bright future. It looks as though he's got a very bright future. So it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to gel. It's going to take a little bit of time for Potter to get to know him. And I think he will do well. But in answer to your question, I think they've got to take 50-50% responsibility. Chelsea is a club um, and the players and, and Graham Potter as well. Okay, lads, the wheel has been spun. We are almost ready for this week's locks. Listener lock-in and uh, wild cards. Chris Big is joining us in just a few moments. Time to be the tenth person to take part in the listener lock-in. Whoop whoop. Welcome back to episode 37 of Loaded Sport. It's now time for another edition of the Listener Lock-In. Welcoming Chris Big to Loaded Sport. Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. How are you doing? How are you, mate? You're good. I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Uh, enjoying a nice, relaxing break from the commentary and what have you. Um, so, yeah, all good. Tell me a bit more how much you've not been enjoying doing the commentary then. That just says it all, doesn't it? Having a nice little break from doing it. Uh, Chris, just tell us, first of all, who it is you support and why? Well, uh, Chesterfield fan, um, sort of hometown team. Uh, I do follow Arsenal as well, but Chesterfield is Ooh, where it's like Shaffy's wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> but Chesterfield is where it, uh, it was my first um, football game with my dad. Followed them through the um, FA Cup run, um, through promotions, through relegations, through league and non-league, um, and they'll always be team close to closest to my heart. 
Love that. I'm going to just chuck two follow-up questions and as I always do, based off of the response to that question. So, first of all, Chestfield looked fantastic at the start of the season. I've been to, to a few games this season, uh, including the Wrexham one, which was in the first five games, played them off the park, looked like they were serious, genuine title contenders or at least promotion contenders. And this last sort of 10 games or so has pretty much fell off a cliff and now you look like you might struggle to get that one of those uh, first round bye places for the playoffs. Won the last couple of games, so a bit of form. Saw quite a lot. Well, I saw the first half of the game last night and they looked really, really well, to be fair. Where do you think they stand in terms of the season? What what worked? What then changed for it to go downhill? And can they turn it around and, and get back to being genuine promotion contenders this season? Um. It, it was it was very much similar to last year. Uh, with after the Chelsea game, form dropped off, and obviously there were other things as well. And the same's happened this year. It just seems to be this FA Cup hangover. Yeah. Um, I mean, Adam knows me, and he knows that maybe I'm not Paul Cook's biggest fan. Okay, um, interesting. I, I think you know he um, he plays good football, but he, there doesn't seem to be a plan B there really. Okay. Um, I think. I think the fans expect a lot as well. I think in terms of the new players coming in, they expect them to hit the floor running like McCallum. He had a horrendous miss the other night. Yeah. But they expect them to hit the hit the floor running. And you just look at Colclough, who's come in, and it's took him a few games to get form under his belt and now he's scoring. And I think you know the fans just need to let him bed in a little bit. I think Dallas coming in is a really good signing. Gives yeah. them something a little bit different. Um, you know, when your top scorer, Shimanga, who was out injured for so long and then he seemed to lost, lose interest after his move dropped through. Um, it's been it's been very difficult. I still fancy, you know, if you, if you get into the playoffs, no matter whether we have to go through or not, um, in one-off games, you always stand a chance and I think there's enough talent in that team to maybe cause a bit of a shock. I like it, and I do completely agree with a lot of your points there. And I suppose, from the fan perspective, that it's a, a lot of it is down to frustration. I think you've mentioned yourself yeah. the hearts that have been at older fans having seen an FA Cup semi final run, even sort of, you know, my generation, late twenties, early thirties, have seen them pushing for League One, League Two, all that kind of stuff. They know where they can be, and the fact that now you're you're multi years into being in non league football with. And, and every year it seems to be start well, a little bit of hope, and then it just falls off a cliff. And I think when that happens two or three times, it, it gets a bit, it gets the fans a bit more each and every year, doesn't it? But I hope they go up. I just, I can't see. I, th I think Wrexham will end up winning the league, and I think Knox County might be too strong in the playoffs, but you never know, do you? You never know what's going to happen. I think oh, Knox County will win the league. Okay. Mm, I, think County, I think Knox County are the best team in that division. Very interesting. 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 I mean, from from my personal perspective, um, I, I do think I do agree. I think Wrexham will win the league. I think they'll just get on a bit of a roll now, and I can't see anybody stopping them. Although I do think Notts County will still do pretty well. I think the danger in in any playoff situation for any team is sort of if you if you're gutted on missing out of automatic promotion, and then you kind of drop off a little bit in form, and then going into the playoffs, it's bad news. And it wouldn't surprise me if that that's what did happen to Notts County. But again, I'm not going to 
pretend like I know um, I think that's as much about the non-league as much as you guys. It, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it happens every single time. Um, one question I have got, uh, you mentioned there, Andrew Dallas, I think you said, is going to be signing and he's going to you know, potentially already make has. quite a big impact he has, he's or he's already signed. Um, just on another signing that you're potentially going to be making, uh, Laparta, who was playing for Southend, who's now a free agent, um, what's the latest on that situation? Do you know? Well, um, there's been a lot of rumours saying that he could possibly sign. I think, mm. you know, he, he thinks he's he's probably good enough to be a, a league player and, and South mm-hmm. End fans say that as well. South End <laughs> fans say he was their best centre-half this the season. The reason I say that, yeah, is because obviously before he went to South End, he was, uh, he was a Sheffield, Sheffield United right. player. And um, and I'm a, I'm a Sheffield United fan myself. He, he didn't make um, any or if if any uh, appearances for the first team, but I, I watched a little bit about him of him in the in the development sides and and heard a lot about him from Sheffield United fans. And he's a very 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 promising young player. So I, I do think if you get him over the line and Andrew Dallas starts bagging for you, um, you you've definitely got a chance in the playoffs, especially if your form does pick up towards the end of the season. Because like we said, you know that that is a real bounce when when form does pick up in the playoffs so yeah fingers crossed for you boys and hoping yeah. that you can that you can do it well it's I, uh, 25 oh. years ago today since uh, Chesterfield beat Rexman in the FA Cup quarter final so there you go what a year to celebrate it then by yeah, uh, finally exactly. getting back to league football you need some uh, very quick second question and as I said I had two questions Arsenal are they going to win the league do you know something all the way through uh, this season They've done terrific. Arteta has done an amazing job. Some brilliant signings. But all the way through the season, I've been going, we can't do it. I just want us to get top four. I want back in that Champions League. And um, when the Reese Nelson goal went in, I actually yeah. thought, yeah, we can maybe do this now. So I think um, it's still a big ask. Man City are a terrific team. Bags of talent. And they've been there and done that before. Uh, whereas the Arsenal players, a lot of youngsters in the side, haven't won titles. But no matter what they do, wherever they finish, I think Arsenal fans and Arteta can be really proud of his team. I think they've had a really good season. And, you know, Champions League, hopefully back. But we'll still not say definitely back because top four's not certain. But I think they're in with a real shout. Interesting. It's uh, we've we've got it all to come over the rest of the season. But Aggie, I'll uh, I'll let you crack on, mate, and and let us know. Well, let us know who was up first after Chris, and let's get into the locks. We'll do. This is uh, the listener locking. So, Chris, as you are aware, we've made you aware that you need to pick three teams, um, or two teams and a player, um, a team that you are most confident is going to win over the weekend, a player who you think is going to score over the weekend, and a wild card team which you feel is, as long as they're not the bookies' favourite, you can pick them as your wild card. We will go one by one to go through it. Your score to beat is three, set a couple of weeks ago by Paul Martin, so it's quite a uh, a, a tough one to, to beat this time around. Are you feeling a bit confident with your selections? Well, you know my predictions, Adam, so uh, probably not. Probably not. There we go. Right, so kick us off then with the uh, the lock. So the team you are most confident in getting a win on any game between Friday and Sunday between the Premier League and the National League. OK, so I am going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with Man City against Crystal Palace. OK, the thoughts behind that? The thoughts behind that is you know my predictions and being an Arsenal fan... I figure that's going to go the other way. <laughs> so you'll take that either way? I'll take it either way. 
but Man City at Crystal Palace. Uh, Man City, good side. Patrick Vieira, as much as I love him as a as an Arsenal captain, Palace are in a bit of free fall at the moment, and I really can't see him doing anything against Man City side on Arsenal's heels. I said it earlier today. Crystal Palace have not won a game this year. Their last uh, win in any competition was New Year's Eve against Bournemouth. So, yeah, not in the best of forms. No. Not the best of form, should I say. So, over to uh, our locks. So, the wheel has been spun and the first name out was Skin. Oh, my God. It's a first. I can't believe it. I'm shell-shocked. Oh, what a day. Um, I'm going to go Burnley to beat Wigan, top of the championship mm, versus bottom mine. of the championship. <laughs> nice and easy. Don't need to break it down more than that. Burnley for me, thank you. I told you that this is so difficult this week that I had a feeling mine were going to be taken. If not, I was going to take someone else's. I do have a backup planned, and I think on the back of a 7-0 defeat away against Liverpool, it makes sense that United are going to have a rocket up their arses and at home to Southampton... Oh, so it's you next, riot. is it? It is, me. Next, <laughs> yeah, it is right. me next. No, it is me next. It is me next. Just went, didn't it? No just anticipation yeah. for this. It's me next. No, that's fine. It's all right. It, it says Skin Ag Kemp, so uh, that's the order we're going in. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to go with Manchester United to win at home to Southampton um, in the Sunday afternoon game. Kemp, your nice. turn. And I will just point out as well. You said they're off the back of the seven nil defeat, and I've said I said it last week. You know, it, it is the result is what it is. It's about what they do next. Uh, Betis in the Europa League they've just gone 2-1 up uh, Anthony with a great goal in the top corner from the edge of the box so uh, a good recovery so far from that, uh, that that result on Sunday Kemp over to you there you go yeah and I backed these chaps um, a couple of no, weeks ago or it might have been last no, week yeah yeah you might as well and unfortunately they let me down so i'm hoping fingers crossed they won't let me down this time i'm going for Notts county to beat dorking wanderers at home late kickoff in the national league it's on bt sport if anybody wants a national league fix this weekend um but yeah i'm going Notts county i feel like now Wrexham have gone top of the table might get a bit of a rocket up their arse to say, you know, we absolutely need to not lose a game for the rest of the season. Um, and Dorking, I believe, are not doing too well at all. They are in 19th place. So, yeah, Notts County at home against Dorking. They're not. The thing, I, I know people have gone for this on like a last man standing. And I've said at the point there that I think this is an, an interesting shout because Notts County aren't in the greatest form themselves. And the last time these two sides met, albeit in uh, Dorking, they won by three goals to one. So... I think it's going to be an interesting uh, return fixture. Notts County do seem a bit of a different side as well, so it might actually be a good shout. I just think it's one of those that if there's going to be an upset in the National League other than Yeovil to beat Chesterfield, I think it's going to be uh, against Notts County. For You know what? If, if they were still top of the league and if they were still going great guns and it was all still sunshine and rainbows, I would I would potentially agree with you. But like I say, you know, Wrexham have played their games in hand now. Um, four points behind Wrexham. They literally cannot slip up now. They've got to win every single game they possibly can. So I really do feel as though it's crunch time now for Notts County and I think they will respond in a positive manner. Um, but I was wrong a couple of weeks ago, so I might be wrong again, but we'll see. There we go. So, Chris, back to you for your goal scorer. Well, uh, on the Notts County theme, I was going to go with Langstaff. Oh, you bugger. He was yeah. top pick. Of course he was your top pick. He's always your top pick. <laughs> I just think he's in red hot form at the moment and Dorking I think he'll, he'll he'll score one might get even more than one yeah it's a good pick that for me I can't argue that at all don't think it's the worst shout but I still uh, 
have my doubts on uh, Notts County getting something against Dorking. So, Kemp, in the snake format, it mm. is you up next. Correct, correct. Um, I am going to go with Ashley Barnes for Burnley. Um, again, Wigan have not been in the best form this season. They've not been doing brilliant. Uh, is it Wigan or just feel the playing? No, it's Wigan. Wigan, no, it's Wigan. Wigan week. Um, yeah, Wigan have not been in the best form this season so far. Um, a few managers, they're struggling in the bottom of the league. Um, they've conceded quite a few goals as far as I'm aware. Um, and Ashley Barnes tends to be uh, Burnley's, Burnley's key man at times. So I'm going with Ashley Barnes this week for my scorer. My scorer this week, I think, is probably going to be quite an obvious shout. Um, and I'm going to go with Marcus Rashford uh, for Manchester United against Southampton. Like I say, after the defeat to Liverpool, like you've said, Skin, performing quite well against Real Betis at the moment. This weekend against Southampton, they do tend to be one of those sides that when United come up against them, I think Ten Hag's just going to give him too much of the what for and, and Rashford's going to get back to his typical goal-scoring form. I could see him getting a couple because when Southampton concede a couple of goals, it just becomes a cricket score in the end and Rashford, when he's on form, there's just no stopping him so far this season. So uh, I'm going to go with Rashford to score for United against Southampton. Skin. Um, I am going to go with Mo Salah to score for Liverpool away at Bournemouth. Uh, Liverpool, as we know, off off the back of a fantastic result against United. Um, Bruno Fernandes has just put United 3-1 up. Um, and, yeah, Bournemouth, really gutsy performance against Arsenal last weekend, but Liverpool should win that relatively comfortably. Salah's got five in his last six, scored two against United. So, yeah, I'm I'm confident to go with Salah this weekend. Nice. So, uh, Chris, back to you for your wild card. As long as they are not the bookies' favourite, you can have them as your wild card. Who are you going for? I am going to go for Bournemouth to beat Liverpool. Oh wow! Okay. Shit. Like that I said, needs like, some explanation. I reckon Liverpool like the form team like in the Premier League earlier. Uh, I think that um, Bournemouth had a really, really good performance against Arsenal. Matched Arsenal, could have could have beaten Arsenal. I half wonder whether Liverpool will have half an eye on the Champions League against Real Madrid in yeah. midweek. Do you think with with it being five two? Do you think that they'll be a little bit like? Oh. I think no. I think they'll go. I think they'll still think they're capable of getting a result there. After how they took Man United apart five two, yeah. they'll think they've they've got the chance. It's probably their chance of a trophy this season. So they're yeah. going to go for it. Um, and I just wonder whether we might make a few changes. That Liverpool midfield is not good. Yeah. You know, when you take, especially if you start taking players out of that midfield, that mid that midfield, there's no creativity. Very few legs in there. Uh, most of the goals come from either the fo- moments of magic from the forward players or from the wide areas from the fullbacks. So I just half think that maybe Bournemouth can put up a bit of a... Uh, performance and get a result fair enough that is a, a big big wild card that one okay so uh skin over to you for yours um for my wild card mate i prepped two or three i was a little bit unsure and i really didn't know where i wanted to go with it to be honest i did struggle a little bit until i came across bradford to win away at newport this weekend in league two Backed Andy Cook as my scorer last weekend in their home game against, I think it was Colchester. They won 2-0 with two very, very late goals. 
And they're in pretty decent form, to be fair. They've won th- uh, three out of the last five, or three out of the last four, even. Newport have only lost, uh, sorry, have only won one of their last five. Um, and Bradford are doing okay away from home. They've, uh, they're have they unbeaten in seven. They've won th- uh, three of those. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Bradford this weekend. Okay. Uh, I'm stuck between two, and I think either of them is a very good shout. I am going to go with Bolton to win at home against Ipswich in League One. Okay. Bolton in fifth place, Ipswich in third, and I think between Ipswich and Plymouth, they're doing their absolute best to make sure they're not the ones that finish in second place in League One. Um, I think Bolton and Derby have an outside shot at it, and I think games like this are the must-win games, and with Bolton being the home side, they're going to go out there with that sort of, we need to win this to close the gap and, and put ourselves in pole position for second place. Like it. Uh, Kemp? I'm going to stick to the Premier League and I am going to go with Aston Villa away at West Ham United. Um, West Ham have been in pretty diabolical form and a lot of people have been sort of uh, asking for, for David Moyes to be relieved of his duties. They are sat just outside of the relegation zone. Whereas Aston Villa, they've not been in amazing form themselves, but the past two games, they beat Everton and they beat Crystal Palace. Um, and since Unai Emery has come into the club, they are looking a little bit more stable. 11th place, which I'm sure Aston Villa will take. Um, and I think Aston Villa are going to get the results away at West Ham United on Sunday. So that is my wild card. And if you do follow Loaded Sports and you do know a little bit about us and our success rates with lock scorers and wild cards, um, get yourself down to the bookies and chuck 100 quid on Villa because I do not fucking miss. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, to be true. fair. He doesn't. Just out of interest, because of the one that I did have as my backup, your thoughts on Leicester to beat Chelsea? Yeah, why not? I think, I think no, I don't, no, I don't think so. No, you think Personally. I made the right decision no. ditching that one? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because again, I watched Chelsea's performance in the Champions League and it wasn't, it wasn't good, don't get me wrong. It really wasn't, but... It was a club that's that's they're fighting and they're not just going to go down with a whimper. And if, you know a few of the other clubs that we've mentioned tonight and that we've backed against in the wild cards, um, they, they potentially will. So yeah, I think you made the right decision there, mate. Thank you. So what it's skin, worth. Over to you for the second part of the listener lock-in. Yes, mate. Now, Chris, I'm going to give you a little bit of warning. It's a bit easy when it's score predictions, but I've changed one of your games based on what you've said already. And I've taken okay. out the Spurs Forest game and replaced it with Fulham versus Arsenal. And I thought I might as well put Arsenal in there, considering that they are your second team. So uh, we, are, we are, as always, though, going to start off with the person's A team, number one team. And as you mentioned, that is Chesterfield. And this weekend, they face Yeovil at home. So what is your score prediction for that one? I'm going 2-1 to Chesterfield. Okay, break it down. What do you think? I think Chesterfield can't keep a clean sheet. So yeah. I think they'll concede. I think with Dallas added to the forward line, they've got a little bit more up front. McCallum seems to be firing. Cole Clough's getting a few goals. I think we'll get a couple of goals and win 2-1. I like it. Uh, your second game is Saturday, 3 o'clock. It was a game that Adam just mentioned there. He fancied Leicester as a wild card, but didn't go with them. Leicester versus Chelsea. What side are you on? So I went through these this afternoon and I've got Leicester nil, Chelsea nil. Okay. I think I that think might they... be the first ever nil-nil prediction we've had. If I, I can't remember another one. I've, I've seen Leicester a few times this season and, you know, I'd, they're a shell of the side that they have been in the Premier League. 
um, really struggling. Chelsea had a great result the other night, but they seem to be struggling in the league. Uh, Potter ball in the league doesn't seem to be working, so I've gone for nil-nil. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And the third and final game to complete your six is the game I just mentioned there. Sunday, 2 o'clock, Fulham versus Arsenal. Do Arsenal carry on their campaign to become Premier League champions or do one of the better performing sides in the Premier League this season in Fulham uh, sort of put in a shift and, and make them drop points? I think Fulham will, Fulham will play well. I think, the, you know, I think they maybe have a goal in them. I think Arsenal, um, looking at how they've, the players they've got available, Smith-Rowe coming back, a uh, couple of the, the other new sign in the centre-half played tonight, although he wasn't great. I think um, three one to Arsenal. Like it, like it. So just to confirm, then uh, you've got your lock as Manchester City to win away at Crystal Palace. You've got Langstaff to score for Notts County, Bournemouth to beat Liverpool as your wild card, Chesterfield to win two one, Leicester Chelsea to be nil nil, and Arsenal to win three one away at Fulham. Like Adam said a minute ago, the score to beat is three, set by Paul Martin just a couple of weeks ago. So fifty percent, if you can match that or go even higher you will have had a great weekend mate but we'll uh, we'll review that as always in our review show early next week we'll close off with the question that we ask just everybody before you do i've got oh, a question go before you ask the close off question go on go for it i was speaking to kemp on uh, the way back from football yesterday and we had a brief discussion chris about uh, your time within wrestling both as a commentator <laughs> and as a ring announcer and before yes. uh, Skin asks you the final question, I want to ask you your, your highlight or the biggest moment of your ring announcing career. So the I think the, the biggest moment was on commentary. Um, I was commentating for a company called Hope in Mansfield and there's a guy called Kip Sabian who now wrestles for AEW in America. And I called his last UK match in Hope and the next person to commentate on one of his matches was Jim Ross. So like a pass so, the torch, I like that. It's a pretty good link, that, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, it's going over so to that, you now. That was my I highlight. Feel like, I feel like we should end it on that. Kemp, what do you reckon to that? Oof, my God. <laughs> <laughs> What a perfect way to sum it up. So, Chris, your last question, mate. Really enjoyed having you on the lock-in, and I hope you do. Uh, I hope you do well with your results. But given everyone else's form this season, I won't hold out too much hope. But <laughs> final question for you: Who is your sporting hero, and why? So, um, my sporting hero. Well, that's a really, really difficult one. Um, there's a couple of footballers. You want to chuck some honourable mentions in there? I that feels free to do so. Honourable mentions in the two best number four teams that have ever played football, Thierry Henry and yep. Jack Lester. Both okay. absolutely <laughs> fabulous players. Could sit and watch them all day. Um, heartbroken when Henry left Arsenal. Heartbroken when Jack Lester retired um, from Chesterfield. Yeah, players. I can't speak highly enough of either of them. Sporting hero, I'm going to go from somebody from the world of wrestling, Kurt Angle. Okay. So, won, a, that? won, a gold, won an Olympic gold medal with a broken neck. Uh, in my opinion... I think you need to address it properly, don't you? <laughs> a broken freaking neck. There we go. Uh, in my opinion, the one of the best in-ring talents that there's ever been. Uh, on the mic, um, I had the 
pleasure of meeting him a few years ago. And uh, my oldest son is actually named after him. Wow. Love that. There you go. Sporting hero. Yeah, and I actually changed his name. Yeah. I actually changed his name when I went to register him. He was going to be called one name. Uh, my wife was still in hospital with him. I went to register him and decided I was calling him Kurt. <laughs> wow. That's a big black power play there. Yeah, she was delighted was. with that. <laughs> no, she, she loves it. She loves it. That's all right then. That's all right. Well, again, Chris, pleasure having you on, mate. Thank you for your time. Thank and you. It's been a pleasure. Happy days, mate. Aggie, what are we up with next to talk about after yes. the break? We'll be back in just a few moments' time with another edition of Kempe's Combat Corner. Welcome back to episode 37 of Loaded Sport. It's now time for another edition of Kempe's Combat Corner. Oh, I love the little... Nice, that, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aggie, yeah, we'll get that, that in the fucking intro. Yeah, yeah, we'll take Please. that. We'll take that. We'll, we, we want that every week. So now you've got a massive bar to uh, to step up to every single week when you announce Kempe's Combat Corner. But yeah, no, can you um, need that in the intro, please, for, for when this goes out? I'll sort it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, uh, welcome back, everybody. It's Kempy's Combat Corner. This is going to be a slightly shorter episode and a slightly shorter segment of Kempy's Combat Corner this week. Um, in terms of the fights happening this weekend, a little bit of boxing, a little bit of UFC MMA, but it's to a little be bit of moniker you all, in your life. Yeah, that's it. A little bit of the bubbly also. Uh, building up to. <laughs> Building up to next weekend when the UFC returns to Blighty um, for oh. UFC 286, Usman versus Edwards 3. Um, so it. Kempi's Combat Corner will be uh, covering that one um, on, on the podcast. And also uh, we might have a little bit of video content on that for you as well at some we've, point. Uh, we've got Joe Land joining us for the lock-in next week and he's a massive UFC oh, fan. So I'm sure Thanks he'll stuff. be up for Going and getting tucked in Kempe's combat corner and breaking down the uh, the weekends That's activities it. and there's nothing wrong with that. But... Yeah, we like that. We like that. So yeah, this weekend it's UFC Fight Night. Uh, it's Peter Yarn versus um, Merab Dvalishvili. Um, it's a bantamweight fight. Peter Yarn is the former UFC bantamweight champion of the world and was beaten for that championship by uh, Aljamain Sterling. Um, Dvalish Vili is coming off a win against Jose Aldo. Um, I believe that was Aldo's retirement fight as well. So um, two bantamweights that are, are very, very familiar with the top of the sport. And ultimately, you know, it looks as though it's Aljamain Sterling against uh, Triple C, uh, Henry Cejudo coming out of retirement next. So I would imagine whoever wins this fight, um, it'll either be one of those two or Sean O'Malley for the next bantamweight title shot. So it's going to be an interesting night of fights. We've also got Rafael Asansau, who is a, um, a bit of a UFC legend, um, in some circles at, at this point in his career. Um, we've also got Said Nurmagomedov, who is a younger cousin of the retired former undisputed, undefeated UFC lightweight champion of the world, Habib the Eagle Nurmagomedov. Um, Ricardo Ramos versus Austin Lingo, again, in the featherweight 
uh, division. And Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spahn, a fight that was supposed to take place a couple of weeks ago, is also on the main card with the co-main event of Alexander Volkov versus Alexander Romanov. And they will be looking to really stake their claim um, as heavyweight contenders for the new champion of the world, John Bones Jones. So a decent night of fights this weekend. I think it's a very, very strong card to say it's not a numbered event. Um, for people that don't follow the UFC, don't follow MMA, um, it, it tends to be that if it's a numbered event, so for example, UFC 285, which took place last weekend, or UFC 286, which takes place next weekend, uh, they tend to be the pay-per-views, the big fights, you know, the ones that, that everybody's interested in. Whereas the UFC uh, fight nights, they happen at the UFC um, sort of headquarters in Las Vegas. You know, only if sort of a hundred or so people, even less, attend those fights. And it's it's essentially just to get, you know, the, 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 the fighters that can't get on the main card or need a little bit of building up um, to, to get them out and, and keep them active and get them fighting. So... It's going to be an interesting night of fights for a couple of divisions. Heavyweight division and bantamweight division are really going to be structured, you know, in the next couple of fights by what happens this weekend. And also an Amagomedov in a fight is always interesting and, and always uh, um, intriguing to see if they, they will live up to the, uh, to the family name that's been so um, well publicised and, and well deserved over the years. So, Again, they're not all they're not all slobber knockers, as we've mentioned before. Jr. would would say, um, but but uh, they're very very important to the sport of MMA, and uh, I'm looking forward to catching up on this weekend's events and uh, and seeing where we go from there. Just to sort of divert before we move away from Kempi's Combat Corner this week, um, D- Dawson and Adam as well. If you saw it, I don't know if you saw um, the Jake Paul Floyd Mayweather confrontation. Um, going around social media today. I don't know if you've seen that yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah um, it is a bit. It is a little bit shit, to be honest with you. And I suppose it sort of made me think. You know, Floyd Mayweather. He's had a few exhibition bouts in the past few years since retiring after beating Conor McGregor in his final professional boxing match uh, to, to to end his his professional career fifty and zero. Um, and like I say, he's done a few exhibitions since then. Jake Paul is coming off a loss against Tommy Fury. Are they setting up a potential fight? Is that something that you think, Dawson, you would be interested in, but the general public would potentially be interested in? Yeah, of course they will. There'll be interest. Just It's like circus, isn't it? That's what it comes down to. Will people care? No, but will they be interested? Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't, I think you can have one or the other. So, yeah. Again, it's it, who cares? But the same with the the Jake Paul Tommy Fury fight. I was just like, I don't care, couldn't care less. And then, like fifteen minutes before the fight, I was like, that's on in fifteen minutes. Yeah, and then I ended up watching it. So be the mm. same again. Like you don't give a shit. And then, yeah, it gets close to the time you think, oh, I wonder what will happen. I wonder how it'll go. And it'll just be a jab fest, won't it? And Floyd will just duck and dive and do what he's absolutely phenomenal at doing. He's, he's leagues above, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. And ultimately, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, it's one of those where, you know, Floyd will, will avoid him. Jake Paul won't be able to sort of get near to him. He might land a bit of a glazing blow and everybody will get really excited. But, yeah, um, I don't know who people will be cheering for in that fight because Floyd Mayweather's <laughs> not exactly beloved in the world of boxing for many, many reasons, although he's Big one of the greatest of all time. for Jake Paul. 
Yeah, and Jake Paul is is loathed in the world of boxing for, you know, in some people's opinion, making a mockery of the sport. So, um, heel versus a heel match, which if they're done correctly, they can work well. But but if not, it, it can be a bit of a a bit of a um, a bit of a flop. So yeah, yeah just very that's... quick question on that. Yeah, from, go on. From yeah. a boxing fans' perspective, you said mm. there about people don't like Jake Paul because he's made a mockery. Do you think at some point he can earn though? Not everyone's because you're never going to please everyone, no matter who you yeah. are. But do you think at some point he can change people's perspective and opinions? And, and gain their respect for what he's done. And if you do think that could happen, what do you think he would have to do to, to achieve that? Um, in so, For some boxing fans, no. For some boxing fans, no. For the real purists who watch it, you know, every single day or, or subscribe to Box Nation or something like that, you know, for, for those real purists of the sport, no, he won't. Because their their ideal is, is a young contender coming up through the ranks, winning, you know, the Lonsdale belt and then the British belt, Commonwealth belt. You know, they're, they're very pure in, in their support of the sport. And that's absolutely fair enough. You know, I, I, I'm the same for MMA, admittedly, not as much for boxing. I am a boxing fan but i wouldn't consider yeah. myself a boxing purist whereas there are a lot of boxing purists that no matter what jake paul does ultimately the damage in in their opinion is probably done um in the sense of jake paul being a legitimate boxer that they respect um yeah. me personally and, and i can only speak to myself and, and my opinion of the situation and of jake paul himself i already respect jake paul i respect anybody that steps through those ropes um, yeah. I did uh, myself have a, a charity boxing match lined up. Unfortunately, COVID hit, so it never did happen. But I, I've been through a training camp. I know what type of work that you've got to put in, even at that level. So at a professional level or the level that Jake Paul's been fighting at in these exhibitions and whatever, um, his commitment to the game and his commitment to boxing and his training and his discipline has, has been second to none. And the fact that he started his boxing career you know, a couple of years ago and he's already done what he's done in the sport... That is to be respected and to be commended, in my opinion. Do I think he's good for boxing? Ultimately, it depends which way you look at it. He definitely brings more eyes to the sport, but then boxing then needs to grab those eyes and translate that into actual boxing itself rather than influencer boxing. And I don't think that's something that boxing has done really that well. So it swings and roundabouts. You could look at it from different ways, but you know, in terms of the real purists, no, he'll never get that respect. But in terms of just a, a somebody that respects anybody that gets into a combat sports arena, um, he's definitely got my respect. Although it doesn't necessarily mean that I like him. <laughs> no, you can respect someone doesn't mean you have to like them. They're, they're different things, aren't they? But I also just want to put on record as well, Jan TKO round three. Mm, rarely wrong. And that's it, mate. I just wanted to put it out there. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I can see Peter Yarn just just whipping back to the uh, to the UFC very briefly before we move on to a little bit of a different segment in in loaded sport. Um, we're, we're getting more varied by the week, which is which is Pretty great. Off. Um, but but yeah, I can see Peter Yarn winning that fight. I think his second performance against Aljamain Sterling was a little bit disappointing. Um, and and I can I can see Peter Yarn winning that fight, albeit by decision. I don't think he will win by by stoppage or TKO, but. We will see. You are, Dawson, as you always say, rarely wrong. So, uh, if you would us... like to give it its full respect, mate, it is rarely <laughs> There you go. So, what a perfect way to end Kempi's Combat Corner and move on to something, like I say, a little bit different when it comes to loaded sport. So, Adam, Mr. Marsden, has been uh, the, the elusive host of this podcast 
um, has been saying for the past few weeks and months that he has wanted, or men's, as he would say, has wanted to get into golf. Um, and Adam, what a perfect time it is to do it because the first major tournament, well, say major, it's not an official major, major yeah. but a lot of people do look at it as an important tournament. The official uh, start, in my opinion, of the PGA Tour um, has started today. It's the Players' Championship from uh, Sawgrass in Florida, one of our favourite courses to play on the PGA game, I'm sure you'll you'll both agree. Um, and that's uh, that's kicked off today um, in earnest. So I don't know if either of you boys have seen anything so far. Um, what are your thoughts on on the on the PGA season coming up, Dawson? I'll probably start with you as as you've got a little bit more experience, maybe watching golf rather than playing it. Um, oh yeah, I can't play for shit, mate. But <laughs> neither can I, and I try all the time. But, yeah. yeah, but yeah, you know that it's it's. There's there's a few that have got off to a good start. There's a few names in there that that you wouldn't have expected to get off to a great start. Who have, and that's you know pretty much standard fare in golf um, these days. So, your thoughts on who you think is going to have a successful season this season on the PGA Tour, and how you think potentially I suppose live golf is going to affect um, oh, well, that? Yeah, I was going to bring that up because it kind of, it's kind of thrown it all up in the air, hasn't it? With that coming in and the money and the lack of sponsorships or TV coverage and all that kind of stuff. So. The good news is with the majors, it does have the big players. This is, I don't play golf, as you said yourself. I can't play golf. I've been to a driving range two, maybe three times in my life. And I look like I'm trying to do ballet dancing, not play golf. So, Valt Vegost has scored for Manchester United. Yeah, he's raving. And, he, and he's fucking going, oh my God. He's like, he's just scored in a World Cup final. He's actually crying. Oh my God. Mate, he looks like he's going to fucking cry. <laughs> I'll, I'm sorry that we've had to interrupt this very structured golf uh, conversation, everybody. But without Veghorst, my <laughs> boy, who I've been going to bat for, he's great, God. He's like fucking crying. Oh, my God, what a moment. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That He's literally... He's, he's still in front of fans now going mad. He looks like the most relieved man in history. Breaking news. Oh, he's, he's still fist bumping. Oh, amazing. Oh, amazing. Brilliant. Amazing. Golf, anyway. That's Golf. absolutely amazing. I'm so, let me just watch replay. Palestri, McTominay, <laughs> keeper saves. He's, he's, he scored like an easy tap in from about three yards, but that's what he's there for, really. Yeah, that's, oh, that's his job. What a that's boy. You, you will never see a player happier to score a goal. That means absolutely nothing, or when a game is pretty much over. That's incredible. Um, but anyway, onto the golf. Yeah, live season throws it up in the air. It's it kind of you know we talk about purists and we talk about impact of outside interference that we have with boxing and and things like Super League and football. And this is kind of the golfing equivalent, isn't it? And it, it, it came into action quickly. A lot of players moved over quickly. The majors do still fortunately have all the big players in it. And I, I like to do a sweepstake for each of the four official majors between April, May, June and July. And the Players' Championship is, you know, the first opportunity to look at who's going to be in form. Last year, it was Scotty Scheffler who came in and, and didn't seem to be able to stop winning. And, and yeah, this is the first opportunity to see, like you said, Kem, who will look like the front run, runners going into the four majors over the next four months. I don't know personally, it's it's too early to tell for for myself but yeah it should be really interesting the uh, sorry the pga championship at sawgrass if i could play golf 
then and I could play one hole across the whole world, then it would be the seventeenth at Sawgrass at par three. The little yeah. island iconic. It's absolutely brilliant. But yeah. yeah. Masters next month, I'm sure we have plenty to talk about, plenty of knowledge. And once I get my sweepstake together, it'll be uh, I'll know even more and, and be able to get proper stuck in and to who might perform, who might underachieve, and, and everything else. But yeah, what are your thoughts? You've got golf and holiday not too far away. Are you <laughs> ready for the season? Are you ready for the weather? Are you ready oh, to mate, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I've, like I say, me, me and a couple of uh, a couple of friends have been playing for um, a couple of years now. We're really starting to get into the swing of things when it comes to the golf. I've, I've just had my fifth golf lesson, so uh, it's really starting to come together now. Um, and, and watching the golf is is a lot more enjoyable now than than ever before because I've got such more of an understanding of the sport. Um, you mentioned there the 17th hole at TPC Sawgrass. Hayden Buckley uh, actually got a hole in one on there today. So nice. that'd be worth you you watching if you've got a, a spare moment. Anybody who's interested in golf, um, but but yeah, you know it's it's a fantastic sport, and ultimately that's it's part of the reason why I've retired from American football. So I think Adam and, uh, and a few others have potentially got a bit of a a, a grudge against golf for that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm loving it at the moment. And 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 speaking of people loving golf at the moment, Chad Ramey is loving golf as well. He's currently the leader of the pack. Um, he is at eight under and shot 64 on his first round um, at TPC Sawgrass. So uh, a fantastic young uh, round for, for young Chad Ramey um, and, and long may it continue for him. Um, you, you mentioned there you're not quite sure on what's been going on so far. Uh, Scotty Schaeffler is four under. Um, some of the other big names. Colin Marakawa is seven under. Um, McElroy has started his four over Spieth is three under um, so early days early days but it looks as though Scotty Scheffler would I imagine be the sort of outright not favourite at the moment but the sort of front runner um, yeah. you do tend to find anybody that's that's not experienced at watching golf or doesn't really tend to watch golf you may have somebody on the, the first round that's sort of ahead and, and doing really well they might not be a, a household name um, and they might have just had the round of their life and, and after that unfortunately they do fade away a little bit so I would imagine Scotty Schaeffler will um, will win this one but again Spieth's on 300 as well who's a really good player um, and anything can happen so yeah looking forward to, uh, to to this weekend's action and like you say looking forward to the Masters in a few weeks time as well so uh, keep it right here for all your golf coverage and all your golf needs on, uh, on Loaded Sport Thank you very much. We're back in just a few moments' time to talk about the return of the Six Nations. Welcome back to episode 37 of Loaded Sport. We're now going to start talking about the Six Nations, which returns back to action this weekend with only a couple of games left to go of uh, this year's tournament. We'll start by talking about Italy against Wales. Probably won't take too much to talk about this as both fighting at the moment for the wooden spoon of the Six Nations. So I suppose the best thing to do is just ask both of you for a prediction of what is set to be one of the worst games to watch this season. <sighs> Difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. They've they've both been absolutely pitiful. Um, neither team have have won a game. Wales absolutely spanked against Scotland. Um, put up an okay performance against England, but England aren't a great rugby team at the moment. Um, and Italy have been 
pretty pitiful. But again, you know, put 20 points up against Ireland who look as though they're the red hot favourites. So it's um, like you say, it's a battle for the wooden spoon. I would probably say gun to my head, Wales will win. Um, and I think it will be important for Wales to win for a little bit of pride um, going into the uh, the last game of the season where they've got uh, where they've got France, which looks very unlikely that they'll get something from there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Wales, Dawson. I'm going to go Italy. Okay, I think they've they've lost every game, but they've they've been scrapping. So I think that that will pay off and they'll get a victory on Saturday. Okay, I I too am going to go Wales, done zero points, the only team with zero points, and I think they're going to have a bit of hunger just to try and get themselves off bottom just for that reason, really. Don't want to finish with the wooden spoon, less so with zero points come the end of the tournament. Uh, Up next is England against France, and I suppose the big talking point coming out from England is that Steve Borthwick has decided to drop captain Owen Farrell to the bench for the game up against France stating this is the uh, this is the right blend against this opponent so the confidence there we can take is before the tournament started new head coach preparing themselves for this tournament getting to know the players a bit better he seems to have that understanding now of how he wants his team to set up against a side as strong as France so it's got to give a little bit of confidence out of this hasn't it yeah, and, and ultimately, you know, this is the time to do it. You know, they're not going to win the Six Nations. You've got the Rugby World Cup upcoming. Um, now's the time in competitive fixture against a, against a decent team to, um, to to test that out a little bit, see if you have got the right blend, you know, the, the blend that you think you've got and see if it is the right decision. And ultimately, if it's not and, and England lose the game because of that, you know, it's it's what what have we what have we lost? You know, we're not going to win the Six Nations anyway. So it's a good time to do it. It's a good time to to to, to experiment a little bit um, before the uh, the real business kicks off in the World Cup. So I don't think it's a bad time to do it now, um, and it'll be interesting to see the fruits of that labour. England or France? Who's going to take the win this weekend? It's got to be. Did you answer, oh. Kemp? No, I, no, I didn't. I didn't. No, go on, didn't. mate. You take it. You gave the analysis. Um... I do think it'll be France. I do think it'll be France. Yeah, England have been pretty poor, like you say, this this tournament so far. Um, we are at the point now where, you know, he's, he's dropped his captain. We're trying different things. Um, and I think it'll just be, I don't think it'll quite work out in the way that we potentially want it to. And, and France have looked pretty good. So, uh, yeah, for me, I think France will come away with the victory on this occasion. Okay, Skin? Same. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. go. Uh, th- all three of us going for uh, for France then. With a France win, they can go joint top if Scotland are to get a win against Ireland. Probably the surprise package of the Six Nations are Scotland currently sat in second place, uh, taking on the uh, three and three leaders of the Six Nations. Ireland, not many would have put them down to uh, even make a fault. A lot said it was between Ireland and France to uh, to win the Six Nations. At the moment, it does look a little bit one-sided. So, Skin, I'm going to start with you on this one. Ireland or Scotland? Bearing in mind that if Scotland do win this, and or for whatever reason, uh, it finishes with 15 points between Ireland and France, Ireland can confirm themselves as Six Nations winners with a win against England next year, which will be a bit sweeter for them, I'm sure. Next year? Next weekend, sorry, which I'm sure will be a bit sweeter for them. Yeah, I agree. But ultimately, Ireland have been absolutely fantastic predicted them to win the whole thing um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, sorry, when it started, should I say. And they've not really given any reason to not back them at this point, have they? They beat France, which was the the main one. So 
have absolutely no reason whatsoever, whatsoever to go with any other team than Ireland. Kemp? Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely correct. Um, Ireland have been really, really strong. Uh, I, I do think Ireland will win the Six Nations um, while playing against England. Um, and I do think they'll uh, they'll win it. I think they'll, they'll do a clean sweep. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there'll be any issues for Ireland. I think they'll go unbeaten and I think they'll win the Six Nations, as I also predicted as the tournament started. So, yeah. It's funny that because I also said Ireland before the tournament started. I didn't expect it to be a clean sweep. I thought they'd maybe have a bit of a hiccup against France from what I was hearing from a lot of people. My knowledge of uh, of the Six Nations and Rugby Union in general isn't uh, the greatest. But again, I think Scotland, they crumbled when they came up against France, a, a very strong side this year. And I think it's going to be a similar sort of situation uh, when they go up against uh, Ireland this Sunday. So uh, those are the predictions for this weekend's Six Nations. Uh, we can move <coughs> swiftly on to uh, talking about the National Football League because there has been plenty of action in the build-up to uh, free agency starting on Wednesday. Uh, a couple of uh, re-signings have been made. Both uh, myself and Kemp can see our teams now with the same quarterbacks for at least another year. Uh, Kemp, we'll start with you because yours probably has a couple of question marks more than mine at the moment, doesn't it, with uh, Dan Jones signing a new contract with the Giants? It does. It really does. And, you know, did we overpay? Probably. Um, is Daniel Jones worth that? Probably not. But you've got to look at the the knock-on effects of Daniel Jones potentially not re-signing. Um, Saquon Barkley, star running back, potential star player for the New York Giants, did did sort of allude to the fact that if Daniel Jones didn't re-sign, then then he wouldn't, he, you know, he wouldn't want to stick around either. Um, so effectively, the Daniel Jones signing's given us an extra year because we've we've put the tag on on Saquon Barkley. Um, and I think the big thing for me coming into the new season or next season was just kind of keeping things consistent we don't want a big overhaul we're in we're, we're sort of halfway through maybe a, a rebuild or or a potential successful season next season we, we won a game in the playoffs last season which I was absolutely delighted with um but you know we want to build on that and and having to go and get a new quarterback who's got to learn the scheme who's got to learn the playbook um i think it had set us back a little bit in that respect so have we overpaid Probably a little bit, but now we know what we've got. We know what we're working with. We can go out and attack free agency, um, and we can go out and hopefully draft a few good players as well, and set ourselves up for a for a positive season. So, do I think we've overpaid a little bit? Yeah, but am I gutted? Am I annoyed about it? No, I, I think it's you've got to be level headed in a situation like this, and you've got to be positive. And and, I, and I'm a positive New York Giants fan right now, and I have been for a little bit of time now, which is a nice feeling. It must have been. You mentioned briefly about uh, preparing yourselves for the draft. I asked in this question regarding the Patriots uh, last week. I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, if you're in the situation now where you're making the pick for the Giants, not necessarily personal in particular, but what position are you uh, are you whispering in the ear of, uh, of Dayball to take? Um, I think it would be a wide receiver, to be honest. I think if, if we're looking at... A decent wide receiver, if if we can get one, because we are quite far down in the draft, which again is a nice, uh, nice little uh, change for me. I'm usually used to seeing as you know number six or number three, so that's nice. Or nice both. For us. It yeah, or, or, year, both, or both. Or um, both. 
Um, but but yeah, I, I can see us taking a wide receiver. A tight end wouldn't go amiss either. Um, but but yeah, I think we do need another weapon um, on offense for Daniel Jones because I think we were lacking at times last season. We've re-signed Isaiah Hodgins, which I think is a really important signing for us. Darius Slayton hopefully can stay fit and, and we can have a, a decent receiving core um, and, and do some damage on offense rather than just being solid on defense, which is what we were last season. So that'd be what we were looking for. But the good thing about the Giants at the minute is that I completely trust uh, Joe Shane, our, uh, our GM, and I completely trust uh, Brian Dayball to uh, to not only pick the correct personnel, but, but do the job with them on the pitch as well. So looking forward to it. Skin... Uh, there's not been too much going on with the Patriots over the last uh, couple of days to a week, so I'll ask you no, uh, from um, an impartial view on the latest regarding Lamar Jackson. There's been so much talk about teams not wanting him, teams standing away from him. I've seen a lot of tweets going back and forth between uh, fans of uh, the NFL and Richard Sherman, who's got his own opinion on, on the situation surrounding Lamar Jackson. So w- what's your thoughts on it? Uh, well, he wants to be paid what he feels like he deserves based on the impact that he has on the team. We we all know what the Ravens are like with and without him. They're a completely different team. They're a, they're a playoff team with him. They're a, a potential Super Bowl team at some point with him. Then they fell off a cliff last season when they didn't have him. Yes, they were close against the was it Steve, uh, sorry Bengals, weren't it, in the, in the wild card. But ultimately... Lamar is the difference maker, a former MVP. I, I think it's coming down to the guaranteed money side of it, aren't they? I don't think they're too far off in terms of how many years and how much per year. It's how much of that money is guaranteed over the span of the contract. But yeah, he's been given the exclusive franchise tag, which means he's allowed to talk to other teams. And then once he's given an offer, Ravens have the right to match that to keep him with him. And if they don't, the, the team that Lamar signs with has to give the Ravens two first round picks. But I think a lot of teams have dropped out and Liam was saying earlier, which I think is a good point, is that there's been a lot of questions as to why teams are suddenly dropping out and it's a case of Ravens have the right, as I say there, to match any bid that that Lamar gets. So basically what they're doing is getting other teams to do the work for them to figure out exactly what kind of contract Lamar will will accept and what kind of money they'll have to spend to keep him on the team. So that's why players teams are just pulling out because deep down they think or they know that they don't actually have a reasonable chance of signing him because whatever they agree to, Ravens will just match that and be able to keep him anyway. So be an interesting summer. I'm not really sure where it ends up ultimately. It is really one of them where tomorrow we could wake up and overnight with America being a few hours behind, Lamar could have signed a new five-year deal for $45 million per year or he could have been traded to a team and it's a, it's a mega package. So... Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest, but it is one of those that time will help us sort of figure it out a little bit more. But that it just seems to be a lot of rumours at the minute and nothing really concrete on what's going to happen either way. And last week we spoke about the Seahawks quarterback situation, the potential of us drafting yeah. a quarterback with us having the number five overall pick. That, I think, is pretty much now out the window. As uh, between then and now, we've signed Geno Smith to a three-year contract. Um, I'm you not have, quite how sure. do you feel about that? I'm not quite sure on the financial aspect of it. I think he's deserved at least another year with us based upon his performances. And I think it was always going to be a case of if we could sign him, he was going to start for us again. That would be great. But there was always the question of should we take a quarterback to sit behind him for a year? I think with the amount of time that we've given him, 
we're now not feeling obliged to take a quarterback this year. We could probably sit Drew Locke behind him for another year. I mean, I know uh, John Schneider, GM, said that he ideally he'd want to keep both Gino and Drew Locke. So I think it's going to be a case of stick with both of them. Um, we've got number five pick, which means we could probably use that on the defense if, if Will Anderson falls that low. If not, I, I keep saying... Jalen Carter maybe. could fall that low, mate. I don't... I don't uh, he could, but he he's always got that, that question bears... mark late, hasn't he? He has, but I think if anyone... If if he, I, I don't really know. Well, we obviously know the story about the the legal issues that Jalen Carter has has faced recently with his arrest uh, just before the combine. But it, it all comes down to what charges he's going to face, and if he does face any, what the punishment is with that. But I I think that Seahawks and the 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 behind the scenes stuff they've got a, a head coach like Pete Carroll, they're they're stable, they're calm, and I think if anyone inside that sort of top 10 would take Jalen Carter based on his undeniable potential, it would be a Seahawk. So I wouldn't be surprised if A, Carter drops because teams are a little bit scared about what's happened off field and whether they should take him and then end up with him not playing for them. And yeah, I just think Seahawks could be that team that, that take the shot personally. But who knows, he could end up going number one because Bears don't want to budge. Like You don't know, do you? I don't think it's a bad shout. Um, I just think at the moment I don't want to say too much about whether we will or whether we won't look at Jalen Carter simply because of what's going on off the field. So I'm staying on the side of caution by saying people like uh, Will Anderson as an option. If the Bears do trade back twice, they could fall behind us. But there's also now talks about the cards moving back, which means at the moment we're going to have the pick of everybody that isn't a quarterback as it stands because everyone's moving up to take a quarterback. So that's a nice situation to be in as well. Um, and I think after this year, we could maybe then have a look at the draft class again, have a look. The issue with that is, of course, we won't have um, the Broncos' first-round pick. So we'd only have our own. And it depends on how we do yeah. this year as to what pick we'd get. So we might have to then try and move up to... To get a decent quarterback, it's really a load of question marks on what we can, what we will and won't do over the next couple of years. But with Gino at quarterback, we've got a bit of stability. Someone who we've already seen performing out of his skin this year, and with a bit of extra help on defense, two picks in the first round this year. I'm I'm fully confident that we could uh, we could make the playoffs again. Whether we'll do anything in the playoffs, hopefully it won't be as embarrassing as the loss to the Niners this time round. But I'm confident that we could get to the playoffs uh, once again. But I'm happy with the fact we kept Gino ultimately. I think Fair enough, mate. Enjoy it. I will. We'll have plenty more to be talking about next week because as we record uh, next week's preview show, uh, the free agency will be open. There will be rumours flying oh. all over the place. We'll have more of an understanding who's buggering off where. So uh, there'll be plenty to talk about there, uh, not just with our own teams, but in the entire of the NFL as well. But, lads, that is all we've got time for this week. Kemp? Skin, thank you very much uh, for joining me to go through uh, all of the football action, the locks as well. Hopefully on Monday it'll be back to uh, normality with a three out of three for me. Just to be clear, with the uh, the incredibly uh, unpredictable weather that we seem to be getting of late, um, some of the games may be postponed. If that is the case, it just counts as null and void for us, just as it does for Chris, which means he obviously won't get the point for it, but he'll not get a second option as well. It's worth saying that as a bit of a disclaimer as well, considering the fact that other people that have taken part have been in a similar situation. Uh, so we'll finish skin. Um, where can people find us on social media? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just mentally preparing myself to get it right this week. That one that always eludes me. But here we go, lads. I need my hype, men. So make sure, make sure you're ready. 
Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, search for Loaded Sport, Twitter, TikTok, at Loaded Sport, Instagram, at Loaded underscore Sport. Boom, nailed it. Let's go. Have a great weekend. Well done. Well played. Uh, That's where we should end it then, really, isn't it? So uh, thanks a lot for uh, joining us. We look forward to uh, reviewing a lot of the weekend's action on Monday. Bosh.